I've said it before. We have so much control over our health and our lives, yet we choose not to take advantage of it, including the fact that there are many things we can and should be doing to support our immune system. There are those who even say that the choices we make and the actions that we take can control our DNA. And that affects so many aspects of our health. So how do you hack your DNA? Listen and learn. I'm Sarah Heiner, and this is the Bottom Line Advocator Podcast. Don't forget to rate and review it and share, please. We want more people healthy, happy, and strong. One day I'll be on time to this. One day I will. But we're here now. So that's good. You know, I, by the time I set up Hi All on Facebook, by the time I set up and by the time I type my little instructions in and do all the things that I have to do, it takes a moment. Technology is not as immediate as we'd like it to be. But I'm here and I'm ready to talk to you and get you healthy and make sure you're healthy. So, um, you know, now all over the headlines is the flu season is coming and the caseload of COVID is going up and things are going to be horrible this winter. Horrible. And I've talked a lot about on these Facebook lives and in bottom line, we regularly are publishing information about boosting your immune system. I've talked about vitamin D. I've talked about zinc. My blog today actually includes conversation about that. If you want to go to, it's, it's in the bottom line, the, the thread here for Facebook live. Um, and so I've talked about that a lot. We've talked about washing hands and sleep and eating properly. But today we're going to talk about a whole other aspect of it, about I'll call it hacking your DNA, actually, about making choices and doing things, some lifestyle, lifestyle choices that will have you actually be able to keep your DNA strong and healthy and your body strong and healthy for not just for cold season, not just for flu season, not just for COVID, but for all sorts of diseases. So how does that sound today? Just a small little goal. Anyway, let me remind you all, put comments or questions. I've got Dr. Brian Ramos with me. Ramos, I pronounced it wrong. I apologize. Um, I've got that. Uh, so put comments or questions about this as we're talking into the chat box down there. I've got a growing library. Bottom line has a growing library of these videos that you can find them on Facebook and in our Facebook page. Um, share them with your friends. Also, if that's not convenient or it's difficult, sometimes Facebook's difficult. Um, you could go to our YouTube channel, Bottom Line Inc.'s YouTube channel, and I've got all of the Facebook lives I've done. I've got hundreds of other videos that I've done interviewing all sorts of experts. So go there and subscribe as well because there's just all sorts of great information. Tell your friends, share them, tell your friends and family, and let's all please be healthy and strong. All right, let me introduce to you today, Dr. Brian Ramos. Let me push another button. Um, and I will tell you all how great he is, and then we're gonna talk about hacking your DNA. Um, Dr. Ramos is a neuroscientist. He's got a PhD from Yale University and he's a yoga master. So you got science and you got yoga, a whole interesting combination. He's the author of art, uh, I've got to read, my, read it all so I get it right. The author of Art of Stress-Free Living, a fabulous book, Art of Stress-Free Living, Reprogram Your Life from the Inside Out. He has a new book that's coming out soon on DNA hacking. Um, he has written numerous peer-reviewed articles and publications on neuroscience and molecular psychology. Again, so what we're going to talk about a little bit out there, but it's all science-based. So fascinating to watch the science. Um, and he's the creator of the DNA Hacker Series Mastermind. And you can learn more about Dr. Ramos um, and his work at dnahackersecrets.com. So Brian, welcome so much. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. All right. Hopefully so we'll, we'll be able to... Uh help as many people as possible. That would be a really good thing. 
because it just frustrates the heck out of me when people are so afraid of disease and there's so many things that they can be doing to help prevent it, be it supplements, be it the things that we're going to talk about today. There's a lot of stuff that we have under our control and I can't stand it that they're, that they're victim, that they, you know, that they don't know what they can do to protect themselves and they're not hearing about it in the media or from the mainstream, from their doctors. So let's teach them. Yes, I, I think that that's a good example of the, the victim part. I remember once I was on a computer and I got a computer virus. Uh, my wife got a virus on her computer. And I ended up uh, calling a cousin of mine that I know is very savvy with computers. And he, the way that he reacted was what I say people should react regards to their body and disease, which is he reacted very actively, creatively to solve the problem and to put himself in a position where the virus wasn't a an issue at all. Right. And a lot of times we put ourselves in a position where we're open to disease. Disease, I always say, if you get sick, it means you are already sick. And we need to figure out how to get you into harmony so that you're not in a disease state because even though I don't see myself sick, disease may be underlying in the background. So somewhere it's we're receptive to it. And we're going to talk about those pieces. Um, yes. But first then so so as a scientist, as a neuroscientist, Again, I would say like Westerners, we've disassociated ourselves from our minds, our emotions and our bodies, right? Somehow it's just these fleshy parts that are hanging off of our bodies, but it's not. That they really, there is a connection. There's a direct link between what we're thinking, what we're feeling, and then what shows up on our skin, in our nose, in our throats, whatever it is. Um, talk about that as a scientist. Talk about those connections, that that really does exist and how we know that exists. Yeah. So. Uh, I think one of the, 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 the problem is that in the educational system for medicine and science, and a lot of people rely on doctors, rely on scientists for their own understanding of health and, and things of that nature, is that we are really a disease care society. We let people get sick. We don't educate them on how they could remain healthy at all times, rather than there is a huge business in health uh, care, in wellness care. And so it, I'd rather be healthy all the time and have somebody show me how I can remain healthy rather than get sick and then have to have somebody treat me. And so it really starts at the educational system. And one of the things that I noticed when I was doing research, uh, maybe an expert in stress, for example, which has huge implications for the immune system as well, was that if I take two sets of animals, one I chronically stress and the other one I don't or even if I take two groups of animals, they're both stressed for the same amount of time, but one of them has the ability to control the stressor, turn it off. But if you measure the amount of time both groups are stressed, they will be stressed for the same amount of time. When you look at one group, the one that did not have control, enormous changes genetically, physiologically, biochemically, anatomically in the brain and other parts. And the other group doesn't have those effects. If I take a different stance and I take a group of animals, and this applies to humans as well, but animals are good in the sense that you can really control everything. Uh, you take one group of animals and you have them in a control environment, boring environment, you could say stagnant like us right now in quarantine in a same, you know, in a house every day. I was going to say, this isn't boring. <laughs> and then another, another group of animals that we enrich, we give them a good environment where they have an exercise wheel, colorful things to enjoy. And again, if I look at their, their body, 
there's genetic changes, physiological changes, anatomical changes, et cetera, in those enriched groups that are beneficial. So it's what does that look like in an animal? Again, because they're, they're, they're not emotional, so they don't get, I'll call it stress. They don't worry about the kids yelling and the you know bills getting paid. So, so you're looking at like genes turning on, genes producing proteins that maybe shouldn't be produced or at levels that are known to be detrimental. If I look at their neurons, for example, their neurons are gonna be atrophied, let's say in the case of stress. They're gonna have cognitive deficits, memory deficits, things of that nature. You're gonna see negative symptoms. And so very, very quickly, my body can respond, my cells can respond to whatever's happening in the exterior. In the case of stress, it really is something that I produce. It is me and my perception of what's going on around me because stress is really designed for survival. And a lot of people live like they're in survival mode all the time. They're turning on the dial. And as I turn on the dial, what is my nervous system doing? Secreting and inundating my, my, my blood vessels with chemicals that at levels that start to change my body. For example, my immune cells have receptors to these proteins. And that changes my immune response. Maybe immunosuppresses me, makes my immune system weaker. Whereas if I'm taking a different approach, I live a more joyful life. I'm more at peace. I'm more easygoing. I'm calmer, et cetera. I'm not taking things so hard. I'm not blaming this, this, and that in my life for all the things that I'm occurring. If I start shifting the access to, to this is what I, we talk about in the art of stress reliving, is how that control really is within you. And I'm not talking about OCD control. I'm talking about really taking ownership now. A lot of times I find when I work with clients, before I met them, they were blaming their spouse or their partner or a friend or their job for their problems. And then they realized that the problems were within them. Once they start taking ownership, then we can start doing the real work, which is how do we start to change the things that we do on a day-to-day basis that are making the situation worse for me? That so are we'll yes. talk about this a little bit later in the, in the how, do you, how do you hack your DNA? Um, but so you're saying though, that like, I understand I can react one way or another. If my child, if my little child doesn't want to eat their peas, right. I can either be upset about it or I cannot. So those are all called the small things that we create our own drama on. Um, but are you saying even on a call it the big things that I can't help, right. The big, you know, I got laid off from my job or my mother-in-law who I love my mother-in-law. But you know, my mother-in-law. Have no, but I love my mother-in-law, but she's awesome. Um, but that there, are, you know, there are people that have real issues with family members, or yes. they have real issues. Like there are people that really have serious chronic challenges in their lives. Even yes. there. Yeah, I had. A, I met somebody. She had her mother has Alzheimer's, but already at the point where she can't take care of herself. She needs a nurse. The mom is living with her. And it's a huge challenge. This poor woman did everything at the place that she worked with. She was kind of like the one of those focal people that everybody relied on. At home, she was relied on. It was very stressful. Yeah. One of the things that I noticed that we were talking about uh, last week was she wasn't taking time for herself. She wasn't fitting in her into the schedule. And so that's the key. A lot of times people will say, oh, but I'm just so tired. I'll crash. And then I need that extra sleep. And a lot of times waking up earlier and fitting in the time before everybody starts to get busy or afterwards when everybody's asleep, 
those are the crucial moments when you're by yourself that you can actually start to do a lot of the work to start to recover. And of course, there's a number of ways you can do that. But the number one ingredient is that a lot of people take a certain uh, victim role. The way that they perceive it is already defeating. It's already a giving up role rather than like the example of the viral computer, rather than say, screw it, I'm going to pay it. I give up. I can't deal with this. My computer's broken. You, you with know-how, because of course, when, who did I call? I call somebody who's, who's really into computers, who knows how to handle viruses, and who could run me through the step-by-step what you, need, you, you do to remove it. It's okay, exactly so, the same word. So give me, give me then, if you're saying that and some of it is taking the time and, to, and we'll talk about a, just a few moments really makes a difference. But I, I want to stay for a minute on the perception as victim for a second. So yeah. help me shift my head. So for example, hypothetically, I lost my job. I can't pay my bills. I got my house. I got, you know, I have very serious chronic money issues. How do I shift my perception of that? Because it's a pretty crappy place to be. So how do I shift my perception of that so that it's I don't destroy my DNA at the same time and I don't make myself vulnerable? Because that's, you know, people have all sorts of very real challenges that they're that they have to, you're saying that they need to shift. Oh, absolutely. Um, I know where that is. I was when I met my wife and we moved from Connecticut to Florida. Um, there was a period there that I was transitioning from jobs and we had just bought a house and she wasn't making that much money at that time. So it was really stressful. We were going to have, we had just had our second baby. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but the, the, there are two things here. Number one thing is that a lot of what we worry about often never happens. So we start thinking about all the things that are going to happen. And those are the things that we anticipate that are the ones that increase the anxiety and get us really throw us off. And of course, during stress, there's a couple of ways people respond. They either fight, they get aggressive, they get angry, depends on the person. They would, they, they flight, they run away, uh, which you often cannot do, or they, they just, uh, um, so fight, uh, I'm blanking on the other one right now. Or they just give up. They just stick their head in. Or, they, or they give up. Yes. You kind of withdraw. I'll guess that that one. So one will get angry. Another one may get really anxious. Another one may get really depressed. And a lot of times what we're doing is, is that we're not taking act the right steps, the right action. So this will require a bit more comprehensive help here. But it, a lot of times we need to take action. A lot of times the worrying, the thinking, the saying, all the things, the complaining is where we get into trouble. I remember when I wasn't in the right place, I would always find myself complaining. And that complaining and complaining never got me anywhere. It didn't solve a single problem, got me more frustrated, wasted energy. And so it's really that, it's that mindset shift in a sense where now I'm not thinking about my problem and thinking about all the things that I have to do and all the problems that I'm going to have. I start thinking about, okay, what can I do now? And on top of that, I start to fit in moments that help me reclaim me. Watching, uh, you know, watching something with my spouse, a good comedy, something, something that cheers me up, reading an enlightening book, actually spending time doing the things that are actually going to get me to a better place. For example, coronavirus strikes. A lot of people, what are they doing? Spending time idle. Netflix, YouTube, what have you. 
What did I do? I started to take massive action in that moment. Was I, was I thinking of all the things that could go wrong? Yes. But what I did was those things weren't going to help me. What could I do to help me right now in the now? Health, I say this all the time. And if you look at me on social media, I've said this many times. It is only in the present that healing can occur. It is only in the present that transformation can occur. We spend the bulk of our time in the future or in the past. We don't spend enough time now doing, building, planning right now. And so that's what I did. I treated my life like a business. And I started taking massive action right now, planning every week, taking the steps so that I could foresee what was going to happen. And I wouldn't be in a position where I would be struggling with what's going to come. Because what's going to come in 2021 and beyond is going to you know, negatively affect a lot of people. Because there's going to be a huge reset of the economy, of society, of a lot of things that we used to do that we're not going to do anymore. Mm-hmm. It's going to be different. Right. So no matter what, what you're saying, so again, in the example of I, I've lost my job, I have no money, you can't magically shift it and you can't magically go, oh, this isn't so bad. It's not just changing your mindset, really, and suddenly giving yourself a positive affirmation about it, but it's putting yourself into action. That There's a, another way to deal the situation rather than as a straight victim. Yes, if you if you want to become successful, healthy, et cetera, a lot of people, you're, you're not going to wish it to happen. But, you know, people talk about the law of attraction. The law of attraction is not, I think, and all of a sudden it's just going to manifest. I think of a million dollars and now a millionaire. If I think of a million dollars a day, but I don't take any action, thought, and this applies to what we're going to talk about in terms of DNA hacking, thought and emotions are tangible, they're energy. And I must put them to good use. But if I don't put them to good use in the here and now, nothing will ever happen. So I have to start to take action from without and from within so that I can start to make significant transformations without thinking about the fruits. A lot of people give up. For example, you probably know this, starting a YouTube channel, starting a podcast, starting a business. It doesn't start off with, a million followers, you have to put in the work. And if I think I want a million followers and I look at my followers and I only have a hundred or a thousand, I'm going to give up. It's the same thing. If I do a technique, like they join my mastermind, I'm teaching them something and they do the technique and they're expecting tomorrow to be a hundred percent healthy, then they're going to give up. It, it's, it's wellness and health. Well-being is a craft. It's an art. And it's an art of living that you have to master. Yeah. And so when I started all this, I studied those in my 20s. I started studying those who had mastered this art. And I started to look at what were the commonalities between all these different individuals. And then I started to look at science. And then I started to see how I could bridge the gap. How could you start to bring this together in the Western world? And it would make sense. What did they fail at? What did these masters fail at? And what were they really good at? And so that's where the key is. It's I really wished for everybody is that they all become sages and masters of life Mm -hmm. so that they can really experience true living free of so many obstacles that right now they take for granted. Right. And and they have the capability. Right. So let's talk about that DNA hacking, because um, I understand helping your immune system. It's easy to understand, kind of easy to understand, keep yourself healthy. But when you get down to the DNA level and when you and I were talking the other day, like even if you've got a gene, like there are a lot of people who have the the BRCAs genes, right? So, so for for breast cancer, prostate cancer, yes. and they kind of think I've got this gene, 
I'm doomed. And you're saying not necessarily that, that, that what you can do and what we're going to talk about, they, that can actually affect a gene expression coming out or keep it suppressed. It can change the long-term health of your DNA. Explain that. That's your DNA is in there. Yes. So, uh, you have very few diseases that if you're born with a specific genotype, genotype or is the type of genes, the combination of genes that you have, what are the genes that you have? If I, if I change just one single letter in that DNA, one single nucleotide is called, you could have these diseases. For example, sickle cell anemia, Huntington's disease, certain, uh, a certain dwarfism are examples of diseases that if you have this single point mutation, you would have this disease. Two twins have the same identical DNA. One of them could have a disease and the other one doesn't. The perfect example, I think, is of multiple personalities where you have the same individual, but two personalities. Envision it as two consciousness, two minds. So you're Remember, talking like civil and... Like a, like a person that- like The, the old movie, Sybil, like a, a, someone that has dissociative neurosis, I think they call correct. it. Correct, right? yes, yes. So multiple, multiple, multiple personalities, one body. Yes, multiple distinct personalities that are independent, do not interact with each other, don't know each other. When one is there, when the other one comes back, the other one doesn't remember what the previous one did. I'm not going to go into what that exactly is. I just want to emphasize that it's the same individual, same DNA, but two different effects on your DNA, two different imprints, because it's two consciousness vibrating onto the DNA, to the body, to your cells, a different energy quality or vibration. So what what so finish that thought. So what actually happens? You've got a personality yes, so called Dave and a personality called James. I don't know, whatever. And then what you will see is that they imprint onto the body to different outcomes. One of them could be severely allergic to gluten and the other one could eat gluten all day. One of them could be asthmatic and the other one doesn't. One could have a phobia and the other one doesn't, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So it's very, very tangible, the effects that you see, and they're so rapid. For example, let's take diet. If I have a certain, uh, 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 certain diet, let's say, for example, kale. Kale is known to be healthy. But why is kale healthy? Because kale contains a certain combination of chemicals that interact with my chemistry the right way they will activate certain pathways within my cells that will turn on certain genes. For example, they will turn on genes for detoxification in my liver. So they increase detoxification. And so if I do a certain meditation that I teach in the mastermind, and if I do this meditation, I will enhance my natural killer cells. My body will start to activate the production of a specific type of cell that recognizes, I mentioned this last week too, that will recognize both in cancer cells and virally infected cells. So if I now get whatever virus, let's say a coronavirus, it's infecting cells in my nasal passage, these cells are now exploding and releasing more virus to infect more cells. I need something to recognize that and start to clean it up. This is why it takes a little while for you to overcome the disease. But if I already am very immunosuppressed and I don't have the ability to respond dynamically, the disease is gonna hit me harder. But I can set the stage such that 
whatever lands within me is immediately eliminated or within hours or within a few days, depending on the person. So it could be as easy as I don't get sick at all. I feel something coming on, but it never materializes. Or I do get sick, but I never reach that phase where you're really, really feeling sick. You're on your bed. You can't get up. You don't reach that say You bypass what I call the disease phase where you're not, you got sick, but you didn't really get really sick. And this is because of following these, the DNA strategies, the DNA hacker strategies. Was it, because you mentioned two things. You mentioned kale and you mentioned meditation. Is Correct. That- so there's like, there's, there's obviously the practices from within mm-hmm. and there are the practices from without. So there's a variety of different things. There's things as, as the main component to this that I teach is that we all violate natural laws, natural cycles that everything in nature follows, but we don't. Humans override the program. Our program is innately healthy. If you look at animals, I ask it all the time, how many times has your dog gotten sick? Oftentimes the answer is never. Unless they're really old, where now, because of the way that I took care of the dog, it's not a natural environment to be in a house. The food that you feed the animal is not necessarily natural as well. The dog may get sick later on. But in general, animals don't get sick. Why? Because animals do not override the program. How do humans override the program? Through negative mental and emotional states. Being angry all the time or being depressed often. um, Getting frustrated a lot. Uh, over over sleeping or not sleeping enough, over drinking alcohol, let's say, overeating or eating the wrong foods, exercising too much. So there's a lot of different things that we do to override the program and thereby prevent our body, ourselves, that have the wisdom and the healing capability of doing what they're supposed to do. But if you remain in that state, if you learn how to remain in that state of harmony, you're not pushing yourself to extremes, then you have the resources available not to repair, to detoxify, to lower inflammation, to fight cancer, et cetera, um, to de-stress. You actually are now using your energy to keep yourself more useful, higher energy, higher sex drive, uh, in a state of well-being, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You're just feeling better, looking better, you don't have to sleep as much. Uh, this idea that you have to sleep eight hours or 10 or what have you is a Newtonian view. It is not a quantum modern physics view of the world. And this is a problem in medicine and science that we are not integrating new findings, particularly in quantum physics into our so let, me, let me, because there are people out there that are going, wait yeah. a second, right? Because every everyone says, especially now for immune in particular, they're saying, but I need to work to sleep six to eight hours because my body regenerates itself at night because my cells rebuild because I, you know, all your body works hard at night. And we've talked with experts on this program as well about it. Yes. So do you got proof of all this stuff? <laughs> so the key here is the key here is right. the time window that you're sleeping. So there is a specific time window where a lot of the things that you mentioned happen. And people bypass that time window because of a variety of reasons. They're overworked. They can't fall asleep. I have a client that she has a hard time falling asleep. Uh, Having a hard time falling asleep is not that you're too much energy. You can't relax. It's that you you don't have enough energy to relax and to be able to fall asleep. 
So the, the key here is if I were to sleep during that crucial four-hour window, then the rest that I'm sleeping often is oversleeping and a waste of time. So really the sweet spot really is six hours. The other two hours of the eight, let's say if I'm sleeping eight hours, the other two hours can be used for something that I teach for my more advanced students that they would do in those early morning hours when people are usually sleeping, they're taking advantage and building energy and power beyond anything that they've ever experienced. That so is, is the a, time to build it. Does everybody, is there a specific time? Is it between, I'll call it 12 o'clock and six o'clock or 11 o'clock and five o'clock that everybody yeah. must sleep or does everybody have their own? So uh, I'll give you a little kind of insiders for, for what I teach in this, these cycles for the mastermind is uh, people, uh, the 10 to 2 a.m. time window is sacred. And if you do violate it currently, work at not uh, 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 violating that period. So 10 to 2 a.m., that is where your body does the majority of the cleanup of the healing of your body, where your voluntary nervous system recovers. Your involuntary nervous system, your autonomic nervous system, does not and it decays over time but there is a way to maintain it build it to the point where it's immensely powerful even into later years that is done through specific techniques both breathing and concentration that i that i teach in my mastermind so, uh, that you would uh use go ahead so you're telling because i'm in 11 to 12 o'clock go to better Yes. So you're telling me if I go to bed at 10 o'clock or if I'm asleep at 10 o'clock, which means I've yes. got to go to bed at 930 quarter to 10, right? Is that what, I don't know, what time do you go to bed? Yeah. So what I would do is probably in your case, if I wanted to go to sleep at 10, I would disconnect it. This is actually not something that gets in the way of being successful because a lot of successful people after a certain amount of time, they don't look at their computer. They don't look at their phone. They disconnect. That's their time to be with their kids, their spouse, do something relaxing. So that's the time that I would be doing something that would rebuild, calm me. There's a critical period right before 10 o'clock. This is broken into certain, I have to explain it. There's certain cycles that you see in nature, you see yourself within yourself, that you start to start, you have to start building towards 10 o'clock. So yes, I would say between 9 and 9.30, I'm already kind of winding down, getting ready, maybe reading and enlightening books, something calming. I could even take that time and sit down and maybe do some meditation, which I highly recommend you do, even if it's five or 10 minutes, even if you sit and after five minutes, you feel like you're about to pass out, get up, lie down, do it right by your bed, get up and then lie down. Then sleeping during that 10 to 10, 10 a.m., uh, 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. time window is crucial. You'll notice that that is the time window where you black out. You lose consciousness, even though you could be conscious during that point, most people aren't. Then from 2 a.m. to 6 a.m. is when your nervous system starts to turn on again. What happens during that period of your sleeping? A lot of dreaming starts to occur. That's the period where memory consolidation occurs. A lot of things are occurring that help your nervous system learn, grow. So the 2 a.m. to 4 a.m. time window is crucial. But then what happens? People, let's say they wake up at 6 a.m. to get ready for work and get their kids ready, what have you. They're sleeping during 4 and 6 a.m. That is, in yogic literature, is a sacred time to practice for reasons that I'm going to go into right now, but it's a very important time window 
that if you master practicing at that time, whether it's meditation or a few other things that I practice, some hybrid practices that I teach, you will then be able to practice meditation much better at any other time point. And it builds resistance to not just disease, but also inertia, lethargy. So your energy levels are boosted. A lot of people don't do it because it's difficult. But if you grind through and you fight through that inertia, that hill, that hill gets smaller and smaller and smaller until in the afternoon, you're like a champion. You will never know what yawning is. It's weird. Like, you know, I, I, I teach young kids. I've been teaching young kids for many years. And I remember when I was teaching at this prep school about eight, 10 years ago, I was at the peak of my practice way, way back when I was teaching. And then I see kids falling asleep and I obviously would not have any pity because I would have woken up at three, four in the morning, sometimes even at two. And I'd be doing this practice. I would go to work and then I would be the whole day, not once yawning, not once feeling tired, productivity throughout, writing, et cetera. And, uh, and so these kids would fall asleep. Again, it's a mindset issue. It's a perspective issue. And it's a really approach of not taking care. If I'm eating the wrong foods, either oversleeping or undersleeping, um, my, uh, there's a lot of things I'm doing. I'm stressed out. I'm over, I'm draining myself. I'm not leaving almost any energy left for me for anything extra. So I'm not going to be feeling good. My body's not going to feel healthy. It's not going to look healthy. And I'm going to be open to disease. You can really, honestly, I swear, you can get to the point where out there, they could be saying that coronavirus is going to kill 90% of the population. And you would not be worry whatsoever i you would you could walk in without a mask anywhere and you wouldn't be concerned it is that that real that it, you can remove it from your consciousness and it will no longer assist i'm gonna i'm gonna caveat that for the sake of sake of all the people behind me they're going oh my god you can't say that the lawyers will get us someone's gonna say i don't have to do this i'm gonna get sick so i'll just caveat that but you know, I, I'm assuming that you you're working with a lot of people and you've got proof that again, that if you follow the methodology and we said, so step one is the mindset. It's, it's a, I'll, I'm going to call it a winner mindset. It's an I'm healthy mindset. It's an I'm in action mindset. Um, and then two is step two is sleep. And that, so, so if we can get everybody sleeping between 10 and four, that's the real mad, there's 10 and two and then two to four, that, that, that shifts, that starts to shift this, the DNA hacking. Cause so that is helping your body rebuild, protecting those. Um, and I kind of, I, we didn't talk at all in terms of what DNA hacking meant, that it was the expression of dangerous genes. There was also the preservation of the DNA that as you age, they shrink, the telomeres get the end of your genes that start shrinking and make you- yeah, there, are t- there, are, there are ways, uh, um... So there's some certain supplements that can enhance telomerase, the enzyme that will lengthen that, certain techniques that can enhance that, uh, uh, certain concentration techniques. It, it really, like the analogy I like to make is, there. I mentioned this last week, is that there isn't enough heat in this room right now to start a fire. But it doesn't start a fire because just like us, we are very diffuse. We wake up and we're immediately taking our energy and diffusing it out through the senses and onto the world. And we don't take time, this is part of that inner practice, of drawing that in, of being present in the morning and learning 
that there are these subtle currents, these subtle energies there available to me that I'm not tapping into, that can I can start becoming more concentrated like a laser beam rather than a light bulb. And then now I have power. A laser can damage my retina, but I can look at this light right here by me all day and it's not gonna damage my retina. It is the same concept. The, the frailty that I may feel with regards to my situation, the world, my health, whatever it may be, it is. it can be changed. I can be put in a position of power where now I command my life. I live not in a Newtonian world of cause and effect. Oh, that happened out there. It's going to impact me now. No, I take ownership. I'm a creative force, which has been shown repeatedly by more and more research. You can create whatever you want. But the problem is that most people don't know how to go from step A to, to B to C to D. So knowing is key. And this is why we're moving into an era now of specialized learning where people are going to say, I want to learn this. I'm going to find who can teach me how to do that. So and let's so talk, let's talk about so, the concept yeah. of mindfulness. We've talked to, we've, we've referred yeah. to it a couple when passing and that, that really is part of what you're talking here, being mindful, being very present, talked yes. about the stress and anxiety before of you're worrying about the future, you're worrying about the past, but the importance of being mindful in the present and the impact that that has on it. So the, the moment that we, there's two scenarios where we often are very present. Dangerous, life-threatening situations. For example, this is why high-risk sports, people are so in the moment and are constantly seeking those scenarios, that slope, that skydiving, whatever, that next big wave. Dangerous or things that I absolutely am passionate about that I love doing. I get lost in the moment. Time goes by and it looks like it's 10 minutes, but two hours went by. And in fact, I actually aged. I did not age two hours physiologically. I actually aged 10 minutes if my perception was 10 minutes. But we often don't live like that. We don't live either neither with a sense of urgency nor a sense of passion. So the breathing technique that we were talking about before the show started, that technique that's very challenging, while I'm holding my breath, it is putting me in a very precarious situation. My body is turning on an autonomic response that's telling me, breathe, breathe, hurry up, you're about to pass out, you need to breathe, you're gonna die. It's kicking in this instinctive fearful response that you can command with practice, you learn it. And if you start to command that, what you're gonna notice is that you're gonna be very present. Your senses are very high. And I often hear like my ears, like it becomes very high and I can hear sounds much better. Uh, I can feel my limbs, certain sensations much better. And what happens is that my certain blood vessels are starting to dilate in the crucial areas of my nervous system, particularly the autonomic nervous system that I need. And I'm not allowing it to let go. If you feel your heart rate, if you're doing this technique correctly, your heart rate is normal. Like if you're not really losing breath, the moment I take that huge inhale, that one inhale, all of it is delivered directly to that area of the nervous system. It's just from the heart, it just goes into the, from the lungs up to that area. And you're gonna feel, feel this immense bliss, this immense presence in the moment. That is the key, is, is really learning these techniques that have us checking back. 
for example, I may be on the computer. Well, let me just clarify for one second because you and I know what you're talking about, but no one else who's watching us does at the moment. Right. Um, and I wanna, well, let's jump to some of those breathing techniques and the importance of breathing to help you be mindful and, and reset. Um, Brian had sent me uh, a couple of breathing exercises that he uses and we'll, he'll go through a couple of them. And one of them was so hard. I had to hold my breath first for 60 seconds, breathe out and then hold no, no oxygen in the lungs as I recall for 60 seconds. And then the next one was 90 seconds. I couldn't do it. I, like, I was dying, I was gasping. Um, there was another one that was 15 second holds, that was fine. Um, but the 60 and 90s were super, super hard, but it makes, it makes a significant difference if you can get to that, when you get to that. Yeah, there is a way in which you can breathe so that is with a little bit uh, more power that you learn with practice. Obviously, the first time you do it is going to be challenged like anything, like play, playing the, learn to play the piano or something. Uh, and once you master it, then it becomes progressively easier. It's putting myself in a position where I become aware of the areas that I'm normally not aware of, and I start to command them. I don't let them run out of control. I tame them. This is what meditation is, concentration practices, is I'm trying to tame what I call the mind, which I think is me, but in fact is not me. It's a part of me. It's a tool that I have no control over. The breath is another tool that can be used to control that aspect of me that's A, going to bring me to the present, help channel my energies into the now, and it's going to build this immense power over time as I learn to harness it. So now this, doing it daily, it becomes easier and easier. So this breathing technique was yes. specifically for immune building. Can you describe what it was? And I think you and I had agreed that if anybody goes to your website to dnahackersecrets.com and send you an email that you will send them um, links to some of these some of these breathing techniques. Although I do recommend his book as well. Um, but so they so they can do that. But let's describe a couple of these breathing exercises if we could. So this one, describe the 60 second one and then the, we'll talk about the alternate nostril one. Yeah, so uh, so the intent of the first, that breathing, the breathing exercise, it, it really builds a couple of things. It builds stress resistance because stress is an autonomic response that I don't have control over. And two, but you can command it. By the way, uh, this is something I teach in, in, in my product. I've been, uh, I've said this before, which is that the chemistry of stress is the exact same chemistry of bliss. The problem is that I'm not channeling the right way. And therefore, it's being expressed in a way that's damaging to me rather than beneficial. So that's one thing. So that's why I teach in my program how to turn stress into flow. Flow being that state where you're in the moment, you're very pressed, and you're going down that slope, and nothing matters but you in that moment. So... Uh, so, so that's what, can you describe what this breathing, I mean, and again, you have to kind of go through it with you, but just real briefly. Yeah. It was, so then, so then, I don't so know, then, but what is it? Yeah. So then you're, you're going to do 30 inhale and exhales in a certain rhythm, inhale and exhale with a certain pace and a certain level of intent and power. I'm not doing it passive. I'm not like going right now I'm inhaling and exhaling, but it's very passive. I'm really taking deep inhales and deep exhales. I'm doing it in a certain powerful rhythm. When I get to inhale and exhale 30, that last inhale and exhale, and exhale I'm going to do it slower, very deep, and exhale very slowly, and I'm going to start a timer. Or if you're doing the video, you can follow the video, but the, the video is going to calm down. 
and I'm exhaling, exhaling, exhaling. And when I empty my lungs completely, I hold my breath. There's something, else, there's something else you do, certain muscle contractions that you do that I'm not going to teach right now. That's a bit more advanced, but I'm going to hold my breath. And then I'm going to sit there calmly. And part of the reason why we often cannot hold our breath is because we start to psych ourselves out. We start to connect with that instinctual response, that fear response, that thoughts start to rush in, breathe, breathe, breathe. But if I remain calm and I start to focus on uh, my brain, I can start to draw. There's a way in which you can actually learn how to open and start to send it straight to the areas that need it. And I sit there. The moment I cannot hold my breath anymore, where I'm like, I need to breathe. I promise you, if I were to tell you right now, if you breathe for the next 10 seconds, you will die. You will hold your breath for 10 more seconds. You will will yourself to those 10 seconds. You count from 10 to zero after you say you can't anymore. And when you get to zero, you take the biggest one inhale you've ever taken in your life. Huge. And you hold your breath. And in that moment, if you did all the steps correctly, you will feel the greatest bliss. It's like the injection of the perfect drug. Because in essence, what I teach is to how to activate the same chemistry that people seek in other activities. So how is that, how is that bliss strengthening my immune system? How's that keeping them from getting COVID? Oh, so, so, uh, so here is the, the key is that you're activating the chemistry that is associated with positive states, which then activate positive states of gene expression. Because remember, what is going to be circulating through my blood will not be stress hormones, uh, other things that I may be producing because of my day-to-day living. It will be in that moment, almost like getting an injection of the right cocktail. And two, remember we said being in the present moment and channeling energy? Because I was in that moment present, I took all my energy, what I really am, this subtle aspect of me, and I concentrated it now in my body. I wasn't thinking in that moment about the bills I have to pay or the job that I lost. I'm thinking about holding my breath. There is nothing else I can think about. Uh, I forget, um, uh, he's very famous. I'm blanking right now on this yogi's name. Um, he, he wrote a very famous book. He's got a white beard and he wears a little turban. He's very famous. I'm, for some reason, I'm blanking on his name. He makes a really amusing scenario with this Exactly like this. If you hold your breath, you're not really thinking about all the negative things. You're thinking about, crap, I need to take the next breath. Because you're doing that, you're right now not sending your energy somewhere else. It's right here, right now. And that's what we do. Like, for example, if I'm working on the computer all day, I'm like projected out of my body. If I tap into my breath, it's probably going to be shallow, broken, erratic. My posture is probably going to be horrible. I'm not really in my body. I'm barely holding on as it is. That's why people are feeling tired and they're struggling to make it through the day. But if I take little micro practices during the day, I will keep bringing in a sense myself back into the body. And I keep concentrating and concentrating and concentrating to the point where I'm overflowing now. And that is why the early morning practice is so, so important because if you even wake up 30 minutes earlier and you do stuff that is really practices for you, you start to put in the well, put in the well until the well, I promise to anybody, will be overflowing. And now you're going to have more resources to deal with whatever it may present 
in front of them. So the more positive they're throwing in, the more focused they are on themselves, the less stress they have in there, the more their garden is able to grow. Yeah, it's uh, right. it's basically doing like little housekeeping things. You know, if I leave my garden unattended, it's going to be a disaster. Everything's going to be overgrown. Weeds are going to be everywhere. We live like that. We're constantly feeding ourselves the wrong thing, whether it's food or thoughts or stimuli. The stimuli my mind is receiving is extremely important. We talked about this. Living in the city, for example, why nature is one of the greatest ingredients for healing that we are A, destroying, and B, as a society, and B, we're not taking advantage of. So we're not doing the little things that are taking my innate programming that starts at the genetic level, and I'm not using my DNA the right way. Because if you take a chimp and a human and you compare them, they're almost identical genetically. But the difference between them is huge. What's the difference? How you use your DNA. Why is one twin sick and the other one isn't? How are they using their DNA? So that's the key. It's, it's uh, for example, let me give you a, a great example. Uh, a study, chemotherapy. A group received the chemotherapy. The other group received placebo. The placebo group, over 30% of them, about a third of the group, started losing their hair, even though they were not receiving anything. Why? Because you are able to turn on what the pharmaceutical industry is wanting to turn on the wrong way, in excess, and with toxic effects. Any drug, I'm telling you right now, there is no drug out there that can do what you do already. There's no technology out there that cannot do what you do already. I see, I see people that, um, very wealthy uh, people that I know, that they go and they pay so much money to go to these retreats and get hooked up to, onto this stuff, this equipment. And I'm thinking, you don't need any of that. There is nothing you need to, oh, the light went off. My there, light went off, yes. <laughs> I have to text my, my light fixer for me. There go is on. really nothing you really need that out there and but the problem is that we've been taught at a young age that we need this we need that there's a problem take this medicine sometimes even my wife my wife doesn't it's not like me she's very different from me my son or daughter feels something oh you want some advil it's quickly we're quickly teaching our children that the solution is outside of me when in fact the solution is within me right now you like mantras um, as yes. part, so with meditation, you like mantras. And one of the interesting things to me when I was reading your book was that the mantras, they were like, I like mantras that, that, I, that speak to me. Like, you're great. You're awesome. You're going to do okay. Everything's safe. And a lot of your mantras, I don't know what language it is, but Sanskrit, Sanskrit or Sanskrit, yes. Sanskrit. But okay, my light's back. Thank you. Thank you, my, my husband, my love. Um, so, um, don't you love work at home? Thanks, Eddie. Um, so uh, anyway, so you like mantras, but help me understand like the value of Sanskrit mantras that I'll call it are meaningless, you know, syllables to me versus words that'll sink into my body. Um, uh, I, I love you, Sarah. You ask like the best questions. Uh, <laughs> so uh, there is a difference between English and Sanskrit or English and Hebrew. Ancient languages come from a time where humans were more advanced. This is way beyond our current understanding of history. The sound, the word, is intended to produce a vibration, vibration 
that it induces a particular state. Let me give you an example. If I take the word for peace in English and I repeat peace, 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 the last thing it stimulates is peace. You can try it later. It's Just, a hard word. It's not a pretty word. It's very jagged. Peace, peace, peace. It gets annoying after a while. Yeah. But if I use the word in Sanskrit or Hebrew, it actually will induce that state. Shall uh, so the first one is Shanti. Shan, that sound Shan is producing a vibration that is stimulating. I can feel it in your nervous system. Shalom, that's Hebrew. Shalom, Om, Om. The Om is, which is a sacred sound, is used in all yoga studios for a reason. That vibration will induce a certain state. So the, the mantras that I teach in that book are actually healing mantras. So they've been studied and they've been shown to actually have beneficial effects. So there's a number of case studies. That, that of people that have practiced them and they've gotten benefits and been able to overcome, whether it's overcoming obstacles, whether it's their use maybe for overcoming a mindset. When you talked about using certain words, that's different. That would be affirmation. So that's important as well. So for example, there's a certain technique that I do, a certain version that I combine with other things because I teach this so-called hybrid practice where you're doing not just an inversion, but you're also doing a breathing or a concentration technique, or maybe even an affirmation. So I may be repeating health, power, youth, vitality. There's a big difference if people sit down and analyze what they're constantly thinking about themselves and their lives. It is very toxic. It's very destructive. So that's why I told you way back when, when I found myself, how was I thinking? What was I saying? How was I responding? They were all, eh, eh, eh. They were all terrible. I was getting an F, an F grade. That's the key. It's, it's shifting it so that I start connecting like a radio station. I may be connected with a certain radio station, and now I'm learning to tune into a completely different frequency. This is why even reading books is so helpful. Or being right now here with you and me. Going and learning from a coach or, or taking a certain course. All these things are important because it starts to shift my perspective. But the problem is that let's say I go to Tony Robbins, just to name somebody who everybody knows, a lot of people know. And I get so inspired by him. But then I go home and I feel so supercharged. In that moment, I go home. A week or two later, I did nothing. And now I'm back to the same place I was before. It's like the client that I told you where... I had a private session with him. We were, I worked with him. All of a sudden, he felt amazing. And he was asking me, what did you do? But he didn't do anything afterwards. Then he goes back to the way it was before. That is um, the secret. What are the little acts that I'm doing on a day-to-day -day basis to sustain that focus of power and health? Yeah. So it is, again, the power within us. So we just have a couple minutes left. Is there... Um a brief, I'll call it routine, that you said that you know people doing something early in the morning is critical. Like, is there kind of a, a quickie if people, so that people can take away from this? Because I always like people having some action in their life. So is there a quick, I'll call it three-step or like what the critical things are that people should at least to start on their path every day, multiple times a day, whatever. Like what's, the, what's a, the, if they, if, I'll call if, it the quick start. It's a very Western kind of thing, even though don't just quick start this because it's all about the big picture shift. Yes, yes, correct. Um, well, they, they can go to the inahackersequence.com. I'll send them uh, those breathing techniques. 
they can start practicing those breathing techniques. I suggest, you know, if you wake up earlier, start by brushing your teeth, washing your face with some cold water and going to a place where you're going to do your practice in that same place every single time that you practice. Consistency is key. It's like being a disciple, discipline. You can then practice those, those breathing techniques. Those breathing techniques are designed to energize you. At the beginning, you may be feeling lethargic, but if you practice it consistently afterwards, you're going to feel very different. Your brain really should feel after doing those, either of them, it should feel like if it were nine in the morning or, or noon or later, whenever you peak, your brain should feel like that. Of course, other things that you could do is go for a walk. If you live somewhere where it's nice, you have some nice area where you can go walk, take a walk, be mindful of your steps, be mindful of your breathing, make it conscious, deep. It, and this is something that I uh, uh, teach athletes, which is that oftentimes we let our stress pathway take hold even when we're exercising. So when we exercise, you can breathe in a different way, again, with command, with control and power, so that you're not breathing like this, <laughs> like kind of gasping, already turning on the stress pathway. I'm actually breathing in a deep, controlled way that actually is, is shown to have you burn more calories, have your workout be more efficient, and uh, and just overall your, your, your workout for that time, you're just going to have more energy to do the workout. So in the technique that you said was difficult, I work with athletes that do that technique before they actually compete. So I did it with a swimmer. He told me afterwards he did the fastest swims he'd ever done before after doing the technique for the first time. He did it. He won first place and broke his uh, best record time. So that, that, that's where, where the key lies is what am I doing to build that power? And can you do that? So that breathing technique or the alternate nostril breathing technique, which again, um, Brian will send you if you send in an email very generously. Thank you. Um, morning, noon, and night. Does it matter? Does it matter time of day for some of these things? No. Just anything that gets you present and brings the oxygen awareness. In. Yeah, and in particular, the, the alternate nostril breathing has so many benefits that go beyond just stress and all that. It again, it's, it's balancing, bringing you into a state of harmony because it balances both hemispheres. That has to do with the alternate, the nostrils being connected to opposite sides of your nervous system, opposing sides. And so uh, it can be tapped to whatever. So for example, another great tip, let's say you go somewhere to work and you have a break at 10 in the morning, you take a break at 10.30, rather than going and dipping into coffee or uh, candy or something or talking to somebody, we often waste a lot of energy speaking. Go and do that breathing technique. And you're gonna notice how you're gonna feel different. Or before lunchtime, before you actually eat, do that breathing technique. And of course, something that we don't have time to teach today is how to be in sync with those natural rhythms. That is, I swear, it's at the heart of a lot of the problems that ail us. Because when I mastered this, I perfected the art of being in sync with those rhythms. And when you are, it's not that you you are, uh, you're perfect all the time. Because I sometimes, I, because of my business, I have to stay up late sometimes. And you, you know how it is. And so, but we try to fit it in as much as possible. We try to fit in everything that I teach in that cycle as best as I can. Yeah. And it is, it is possible, um, but, you know, it takes time. You got to go, you know, slowly but surely. 
that self, and then I'm, I'm going to let you go because we've gone so long and you and I could talk forever. But I think that's an important point, self-forgiveness, that to allow yourself also like to be, to, to do all these things that Brian's talking about and you can really shift your immune system to, as we say, hack your DNA, strengthen your DNA. Um, but we're also human. So for example, tonight I have to go, go to the airport and pick my daughter up at 11 o'clock tonight. So there's, there's going to be no going to bed early. Like we all have our days and we all sometimes have those pressures of what we have to do. Um, but that's but the so forgive ourselves, like understand you do what you can here and you balance it off. Yeah, that's a moment where you tomorrow could be taking certain steps to then overcome some of the lethargy, the tiredness that you're going to feel because you have to stay up later. So that's the key. It's it's really accepting where you are, but not viewing it from a victim standpoint, really taking it as a child. There's something I teach in the program, which is how to rediscover that inner child where you, you take it like a child, where they see it as a challenge, a problem that can be overcome. And I take the steps to do so. And if I sit there and I'm trying to meditate and I can't concentrate, then I'm not getting frustrated. I'm attacking myself. Oh, I'm no good. I will never do this that actually is part of the training. And so it is, you're doing something, even if you think you're struggling. Yeah, it's all, as you said, it's all a process. It's an all, all yes. part of the lifestyle of it. All right, thank you, Brian Ramos. You're fabulous. Your website, uh, dnahackersecrets.com. And again, send along. And if anybody has additional questions at all that they wanna put into the chat box, go ahead, put it in. We'll answer them after the fact. And tell people about these videos, come on back. And everybody, please stay healthy. Thanks so much. I appreciate it. I'm talking to neuroscientist and yoga instructor, Dr. Brian Ramos, about our ability to alter our DNA in order to strengthen our immunity and protect us from disease. Through simple practices and a shift in understanding, Dr. Ramos helps individuals become the masters of their own health. We each actually have the power to live long and healthy lives if we really want to. Empowering individuals with the knowledge and tools they need to live long and healthy lives is one example of what our flagship publication, Bottom Line Personal, is all about. Helping people do better and feel better. We talk to only the best, most qualified experts to provide actionable advice, not just in healthcare and emotional health, but in all aspects of life, including financial planning, great gift ideas, how to save money on travel, insurance snafus, smart tax strategies, improving your relationships, and so much more. Bottom Line Personal has been helping people lead more informed and vibrant lives for nearly 50 years with our actionable and double fact-checked advice. Subscribe today and get a free bonus book, Bottom Line's Best Bets, full of some of our experts' greatest tips of all time. Just go to bottomlineinc.com forward slash expert podcast. That's bottomlineinc.com forward slash expert podcast.